You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. It's time for Straight Talk about diversity, frank questions, honest answers, and real insights. It's Diversity Straight Up, a Corridor Business Journal podcast with your hosts, Sadika Bodka and Anthony Arrington. On today's episode, Cedar Rapids Mayor Brad Hart. We need to welcome anyone who wants to come and be a part of our community, and that's our history. I heard this from a top HR from one of our top companies here. They made a comment that when you go to Asian Fest, all you see is a bunch of Asians. So how, how do we as a community help to try to be able to get others involved? My question is, what was it about that that blew you away? It was obviously knowing that we had all these cultures here, but now as a leader of our city, how do you take advantage of that experience? Yeah, well, it's, it is part of its word of mouth. Part of we'll be right back. Diversity Straight Up is sponsored by the city of Cedar Rapids. Cedar Rapids is a welcoming and vibrant city, encompassing unique attractions, exciting and diverse events, specialty shopping, a dynamic art scene, and a large variety of restaurant and nightlife options. You'll find that Cedar Rapids offers one of the best places to live, work, and play in the Midwest. At Collins Aerospace, we believe that fostering an inclusive environment makes our employees feel valued. It also helps our business succeed. By encouraging diverse viewpoints in the workplace, we're redefining futures. It's why we proudly support the Corridor Business Journal's diversity podcast, Diversity Straight Up. So, hey, well, welcome, 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 Cedar Rapids. Welcome, nation, to Diversity Straight Up. We are the newest and uh, greatest podcast uh, here coming out of the great city of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I'm joined with my co-host, Sarika Rabatka. Hi, Sarika. Hi, Anthony. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. So, what did you think about our first initial pilot episode? I thought it was cool. Yes? I thought it was cool. I think we laid the groundwork for what we're trying to do. We've kind of unpacked what some of the terminology means and... um, how we'd like to have conversations on this show going forward. And I think we're, we're ready to start rolling with some, some impactful guests. We have an exciting one today, don't we, Anthony? We do, we do. No we, pressure. We do. <laughs> <laughs> we are joined today by Brad Hart, who Mayor Brad Hart, who is the new mayor of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And we're going to have some great conversation about what's happening in the city and, and some things. Uh, hopefully, Brad will talk to us about some things that affected him personally as a leader and how that affects his leadership. So, so welcome, Brad. We appreciate you joining us today for this, for this episode. Well, thank you yeah. for inviting me. I, I, I hope I can live up to the, the first, awesome. your first podcast. <laughs> oh, yes, you will, you because will. your bio is very impressive. Want to share a little bit about yeah, it, Brad? Yeah, so Brad, you serve in your city, second largest city in Iowa. And best, uh, been, second and that's best. That's right. Successful <laughs> lawyer for, for 35 years. Uh, came, came by way of Houston, big city to small city, and, and had been here since 1990 working with Bradley and Riley. Um, been working on various businesses and acquisitions and decided to stip, stick your toes into the political arena. So we, we appreciate that, and we appreciate your, your work as a lawyer as well. We, we see you're, you're well rewarded in your role. Thank you. So... 
Zadika, let's get into our conversation today. We want to talk about what's happening in the, in the city and, and have a talk with Brad about what he's up to. Yes, yeah. So, um, Brad, a few weeks ago, Anthony and I were at a conference in Cedar Falls. They have their annual conference. This was on economic inclusion. And um, one of the presentations they had was talking about how Waterloo had received, um, we all know city rankings are very important for us in our regions to be able to do talent attraction retention, to be able to grow businesses and attract businesses globally. So we love the rankings. Um, however, not all rankings are that great. And this was a case in point for Waterloo, right, Anthony? Right, they right. were ranked as one right. of the... or. I think no. you probably heard about that that ranking. Yes, uh, they ranked I did. one of the worst cities in, in the country, and so for? We were, for blacks to live and work in, um, as an African American male, those are gut punching things yeah. to hear. Um, for, for all of us, for all in of us, Iowa, those are gut punching. I'm glad that you said that. Um, so interesting enough, here just a week ago, we saw the we I opened the paper I think last Tuesday uh, to a Des Moines Register article by a professor from the University of Iowa who has now ranked the Midwest as one of the worst regions in the country. Uh, for for blacks to live and work and Iowa was ranked near the top of all those lists so of course I wake up Tuesday morning gut punched and say what can I do to make change and so this is a timely conversation so as we think about you know I I grew up in Cedar Rapids and as I think about those things um, I'm curious about how our leaders feel when you hear those things so what are your thoughts about that and what can we do to separate ourselves from that perception maybe so to speak oh wow big big (laughs) question Um, Certainly, I'm disappointed that Iowa would rank that low, and um, Waterloo, Cedar Falls, has um, their own issues. Every community has their own issues. Um, At the beginning, when you said Iowa's second largest, and I said, and best um, Mm -hmm. city, I, I truly believe that. This city is really dynamic, and in so many ways has reinvented itself since our 2008 flood, and I think not just in new buildings. Uh, I, I think it's in new opportunities. Um, we, if you, if you think through, um, of course, the Safe, Equitable, Thriving Task Force yes, that yes, came up, um, uh, now that has, has morphed into, we're trying to, through the city and the county and the school district, we, are, we have put money together to fund organizations that are providing programming to help address those issues. Mm-hmm. Um, the city and the county both put in $100,000, and the school district put in $25,000. I we just got a report um, from the first round of grants, and it was promising. Yes, and that's and, great and I think and we had to do that really quickly. Um, so I think this next year uh, will will be more impactful. Yes, and I really do think that the city and I expect the county and the school district district will continue to fund that work because we know how important it is and to the extent we need to increase the funding from the city i i know that um there would be i think there'd be support for that but beyond that you know even when i was campaigning way back thank god it was three years ago now um (laughs) um, yeah um i talked about cedar rapids needs to be a more welcoming and engaged community we need to welcome anyone who wants to come and be a part of our community. And that's our history. That really is our history. If you've ever heard Mark Hunter talk, he talks about when the Germans came here and when the Czechs came here and when the Hispanics came here. They all came here and kind of lived in certain parts of town, but they all wanted to be a part of our community. And I 
love those stories, but right. th- but they have to continue on. And and so I I'm really proud of the fact that Cedar Rapids, unlike most of Iowa, is becoming more and more diverse. The most recent data I saw, um, the population, the minority population below the age 24 in Cedar Rapids is about 24%. Statewide, mm-hmm. it's about 10 or 11%. Right. People are coming here because I think they see a progressive community where there are lots of opportunities, and I hope where they feel more and more welcome. But I'm curious, um, and we won't get into the politics, but we talk about some of the things that you were doing when you were campaigning and how mm-hmm. you felt about diversity. Um, and we know it's not just about race as well. Um, to now you're in position as mayor. Um, and so when you think about what you can do for the city or what you have done or what you can do, can you talk about some of the successes of the city around diversity, equity, inclusion, and engagement, or some since you've come into office, or maybe some things that you've brought to the office from your personal or previous professional life that you know is going to help you improve diversity, equity, inclusion, and engagement in the city. Can you talk about some of the things? Sure. From that I, I think I should start with what the city is doing, and we have basic things the city has to do, and that's like the the Civil Rights Commission, right. which you serve on. Sure. Also. Yeah. I mean, the Civil Rights Commission is supposed to make sure that our laws and our rules and regulations prohibit and help prevent discrimination. And I and I think that we are doing generally a pretty good job. I know that we just, for like the third year in a row, we received a perfect 100 score on the Municipal Equality Index. Um, I think that's really LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I think that's limited to that. But but I you know I think we continue to put the right people on that commission try to and and make sure that that people are not discriminated against in any way in Cedar Rapids the housing that's available in Cedar Rapids for section 8 housing we get uh, awards from the federal government be- by because we go and look at that mm-hmm. and regulate that and make sure that the housing for section 8 housing uh, people really in need um, is decent housing and not the worst in town and that's an important thing um, the even the PCAT, the police PCAT, the police community action team. That that's that's an effort by our law enforcement to go out into the into the communities and into the areas, the neighborhoods that have the most police calls, and try to build relationships with the neighbors, and so that they feel like they're a trusted friend, and they can call and they can help solve the the crime. There's lots of those steps. Um, the library, um, their key things are literacy, access, and inclusion, and they, they just kind of adopted those initiatives because um, they know how important those are. Our boards and commissions, that's something I, I did. I'll take credit for that. Our boards and commissions, we have 31 boards and commissions, and that's an opportunity for citizens to volunteer and to help serve the community, hopefully in an area that they have some skill set or at least some passion about. And there was never even a publication that listed all of them before. So now there is, and now every time I go talk to groups, I talk to them about that. And we had a, I don't know, a 80% increase in the number of applicants for our boards and commissions the first year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we have to report to the state um, how diverse those are. And we I was even surprised at how diverse they are. Right. They're really, I mean, lots of people joining those, and I'm really proud of that because people to get 
and feel they're connected and giving back to our community. Absolutely. So those are great initiatives that the city is doing. What would you like to be able to see happen? Some of the most pressing things that we see. Where would you like to see our community go? Well, it goes back to being more welcoming and engaged. I want people to feel like they are welcome and they can live and thrive in Cedar Rapids and they can be involved and they can make a difference to our in our community. And that's why it may seem like small things, but you know, every spring we have the cultural celebration at the library. Yes, that's been a great event. The first that. time I, I went to that, I was blown away. I could not <laughs> believe how many cultures represented. I kept saying, Cedar Rapids, this is Cedar Rapids. <laughs> um, it is so much fun. The Asian Fest, Latino Fest, those are so much fun. I mean, it's just great to, I, I, I kind of swell up with pride when I see that because people are celebrating their diversity and their culture in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And people go and yeah. those are great fun. So. Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say that is really great. And uh, you've been a very great supporter of Asian Fest, having, you know, led that festival mm -hmm. as a community, you know, volunteer. We're putting it out. I heard this from a top HR from one of our top companies here. They made a comment that when you go to Asian Fest, all you see is a bunch of Asians. Well, so mm -hmm. how, how do we as a community help to try to be able to get others involved well, I think generally festivals grow each each year because more and more people hear about it. So I always talk about it. I either get <laughs> some people to go with me or say, it was great, you need to go to this event. Um, it's volunteers. Uh, they don't have big budgets, so it's whatever they can do to market it. Because I think mm -hmm. once people go, they'll go again and again and again. So it's just going to take some time to do that. But But I'm happy to do what I can to promote these even more than we do. Um, we appreciate it. And yes, it's our corporate sponsorships that we get for yes, Asian yes, Fest yeah. seventh year next year. <laughs> and we actually market it to our corporate partners saying this is part of your talent attraction retention yeah. because festivals help with the visible diversity. I mean, Absolutely. we talk about diversity being visible and invisible Absolutely. for a community region. The festivals give yeah. that visible diversity. Right. Out Brad, there. you said something. You said something earlier that, that, that triggered me. You said... Um, I started campaigning, and, and since then, you said I, I went to the cultural fest at the library, mm -hmm. and you just I, I watched you. If anybody could see him in the studio here, they would know Brad lit up. He was animated, talking, <laughs> talking about that. You, you said that blew you away, and my guess is maybe you hadn't attended one of those before. Maybe you had, but no. my question is, what was it about that that blew you away? It was obviously knowing that we had all these cultures here, but now as a leader of our city, how do you take advantage of? that experience. Yeah, well, it's, it is part of its word of mouth, part of its being more enthusiastic when I'm at helping with these other festivals too. Um, and welcoming the opportunity to come and be on this podcast with the two of you because I know how important this is. And so I, I just, it's, I'm, I don't have lots of, you know, specific answers on That's how okay. we can do that. But, but I do know that um, the city, besides those festivals, you know, the Opportunity Center at Lad Library, mm -hmm. I mean, that's right out where, where we have the most immigrants, yeah. the immigrant population, where the, the percentage of registered voters is incredibly low. And that's, that's really an indication that people are not connected to the community. Right. Not, and so that was the perfect place to do that. 
and it's providing all kinds of, of resources for people, not only for to help them apply for jobs and do resumes, but to help them with their health care issues, to help them with child care. Right. It's just it's a, a terrific opportunity that is the city, the library, um, uh, United Way. I think Kirkwood's involved. The city is also, you know, we have this opportunity now because of the low unemployment rate where employers are willing to take a chance um, on some employees that they wouldn't otherwise take a chance. And if you haven't heard of this, there, this is one example, a great example. Nordstrom was desperately looking for employees. Yep. And, and so we had a group of African nationals who were desperately looking for a job. Yeah. Um, so Nordstrom said, we will hire them on a part-time basis but they and they can't until they know enough English to pass our safety exam. Yeah. We can't hire them full time. But we'll hire them. We'll pay them for eight hours a day. We'll for three. They work for five for three hours a day. Kirkwood goes in and teaches them English. The Earn and Learn program. Yeah. yeah. After it's a nine great program. Yes. Mm -hmm. After ninety days, if they can pass the safety exam, they're hired full time. And then they don't have transportation. So then we went to corridor rides and got passenger vans that could take them there and back. And now Frontier Herbs is doing the same program. Yeah. Then I think there's a model initiative because you think about, you look at our population across the board in the United States, I mean, especially in our um, rural communities as an aging population. And uh, Brad, you mentioned the low unemployment, but you're also seeing increase in the population changes around, uh, whether it's um, refugees, immigrants, they are helping to replenish a population yeah. that is aging. And these are the communities that are actually also having more births. So how do you help them create welcoming environments? You mentioned strategically with community partnerships, you put resources, you build resources where they are going to be. You think about initiatives like public-private working with companies. Mm -hmm. We've seen across some um, other parts of Iowa and around the country that you have companies, whether they're meatpacking plants, and you've, they're seeing an increase in immigration, or there's some communities that don't want to have those type of meatpacking companies of yeah. because they don't want to open themselves up to having an influx of immigrants. What would you say to help some of those communities that are don't want to have those kind of economic development opportunities because wow. they're thinking that with, I'll throw out meatpacking as an example, mm -hmm. because it brings in a certain- It brings in a large number of, of Hispanics. Let's just be honest about it. And yeah. what would you say to, to individuals or organizations or cities or communities who maybe have that feeling? Because that's real. Yeah, I, I would be a little more concerned about the quality of the jobs. Um, mm -hmm. uh, that may be a reason why some communities aren't looking for meatpacking plants. But but I, as I say, whenever I talk about diversity, you know, we are we are more interesting and a lot stronger right. the more diverse we are. And I would encourage talk to any other community leaders and say how successful we have been and how their own community, I'm sure, started with immigrants. I mean, just like the whole country did. Mm -hmm. I mean, so yeah. I think if they look back in their history, like like ours with the Czechs and the Germans and, and the Hispanics coming here, that's, that's how we started. Right. Why would that change? Why would anybody view that differently now? It just makes us more interesting. It does. <laughs> it does. It absolutely does. So the city is actively, actively, and has been recruiting 
minority candidates for our fire department, police department, and all throughout the city, and have had some success. We're not there yet, well, yeah, um, but we continue to do that. Yes, let's talk about the first responders. I think that's a great, great topic that even other communities um, are struggling with when it comes to candidates for their law enforcement or their fire department. Do you want to share a little bit to what um, we are doing that's making it a little bit more successful? I'm not sure we have the answer yet, other than the fact that both our fire department and our police department are, are accredited departments so that they're the best of the best. So someone who wants to really, and their, their goal is to be the best police officer, or fire officer that they can be. They know coming in here that they're coming into a top-notch department, Some, someone that's doing really all the things right. And so when they go out on a call, they should have some comfort that they've had the training and the policies and the procedures are in place for them to do their job really well. That's part of it. Um, we have very cool buildings <laughs> um, uh, besides that. We but, <laughs> but we just, you know, we're, we're struggling hiring minority um, candidates, but, but we, we have recently, mm -hmm. we have, I mean, I, I think the last, um, five, um, fire, um, officers that I, I swore in, um, there were two, uh, two women, um, uh, a young black man and an Hispanic. And mm -hmm. I looked at that and said, yes, this <laughs> is what awesome. we need to do. That is great. And we, we just, and we just hired 10 new police officers and there were a couple minority officers yep. as part of that. I mean, so, so we are making progress. And I think it's just, I think there are probably some specific tactics that we're taking that I'm not aware of, okay. but, uh, but I know that there's, there is truly a concerted effort. Well, and that's we great really, to hear. Um, we're trying to do that. Um, go ahead. So you mentioned you're struggling a little bit. What do you think that could be attributed to? Well, it's, you, we have to get them to Iowa. You know, that's, that's part of it. They're coming to a state, and now this ranking doesn't help, um, but no, they're doesn't. coming to a state that was, is known to be 11 or maybe 13% uh, minorities. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you have to be maybe a little more brave. And we have winters, so you have to be brave to handle that too. So that's why I think I'm gonna keep talking about how our minority population continues to grow in this city. And, and that's why we're gonna have these festivals. And that's why we're gonna take the steps. The city is, I, I just learned this six months ago. The city is, is taking steps to look at all of its processes and procedures to, to see how they impact different uh, minorities and, and, and different, okay. how that's they good. impact people. So You're doing an assessment, that's really yeah. good. Yeah, that's good. And I was like, that is so great. That I means I love the fact that Jeff and the team are doing that so that we make sure that we're providing these services, but can everyone get to them? Can everyone understand mm -hmm. what they are and, and, and access them? And I think that's, so I think it's um, social equity impact assessment mm -hmm. that has happened. That's About good. 12 of the departments of the city have already done this and are making changes, and now other departments are doing this to make I'm sure. I'm glad that we got really that out there, because I didn't know that. I, and I think that's important for our community to it, know. It I is. I think that's important. It is. And you're doing it um, across the board yes across all departments yep, which absolutely. is critical because when you assess policies and procedures and programs that's good because that's where biases tend to creep in because yeah. they're not equitable so i am very pleased to hear that we're taking that step yeah, yeah. we absolutely are and also there's an effort it's called empower citizens it's not very far along which is really trying to try to show that the city could be the foundation for people to improve their lives, improve their health. 
and there are there are four or five kind of bigger initiatives as part of that and and they said don't say much because we're not very far along but we're committed <laughs> to doing this but but you know their issues are neighborhoods diversity and equity literacy health transportation student learning where i mean and they have lined out so far here are things we can do in each of these categories and and that's I've started good. to assign some people to move forward with those so you're going to hear more about that that's wonderful but, but clearly the diversity and equity is one of those key issues. And then the um, next week, I think we get um, the Gateways for Growth. It's a, a federal grant mm -hmm. that we received um, and that will help us f come up with very concrete strategies for inclusion and economic development. Um, that's and, uh, and that's, it's, It'll be more. It'll be a big public announcement right. next week. I think next Wednesday. That's really exciting. It's great that we're seeing a lot of um, momentum moving in the right direction there. So, Brad, we were having a, we've been having a lot of conversation around diversity, equity, inclusion, and engagement as it as it applies to to race and ethnicity and gender, which is important. But obviously, we know diversity and, and Seneca and I believe deeply about this applies to more more other groups as well. And in particular, I was thinking about the homeless community um, here in, in Cedar Rapids. You had mentioned it earlier that it's not as prevalent, but it's here. Um, can you talk about some of the initiatives that we've had in the community, in the city, um, that the city's put in place to help our homeless populations? Well, the one people, other people have heard about, it's been in the press some, is really the uh, downtown park ambassadors. Mm -hmm. You will recall um, Green Square had some issues with yeah. um, mm -hmm. some violence or a lot of police calls um, for disturbances. Um, and... So we worked with Willis Dady, Phoebe Trepp at Willis Dady, and now we have people who are homeless and staying at Willis Dady are, have a job to be park ambassadors. So they work four to six hours a day at Green Square, and they just hang out, and they know some of the homeless people who are hanging out at the park, so That's they cool. can have a conversation with them. But they're also just, they have a vest on, so you know who, who they are, and they kind of stop an issue before it starts. And then people who have an issue can go and talk to them too. And even when they're not busy, they're, they're picking up litter. So That's neat it gives them, it I gives them a job. It gives them some income. It gives them, I think a sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. And, and I think they'll get a job reference out of that too. I did not know great. that. I did not know that either. How come we're not promoting that? Well, we are now. We are now. Thank you, Brad. Thank you. I think that is phenomenal. <laughs> So let's change the subject just, just slightly here. Um, segue, is that the right word? Segway? It is, All it right. is. So, um, actually wanted to talk about systems. Um, and, and as a leader, as a community, as a city leader, you have the ability to impact uh, to some degree some of the systems that maybe affect diversity, equity, inclusion, and engagement. And I'm thinking specifically about Lynn County, what they implemented a little over a year ago, which was a ban the box initiative. And what that is is they removed the question on their applications about whether you've committed a crime or not. And the perception was is that when employers know that up front, there's an instant desire to exclude those individuals without hearing their story, how they were exonerated, what have you. So are there any specific uh, initiatives that we have in the works or that we've implemented in Cedar Rapids community um, or that you're thinking about doing that maybe would help us attract a more diverse candidate pool to the city? Um, I think the city stopped using, uh, in effect, ban the box without making a big public statement before the county did. Okay. It's like, look, let's, 
let's do the right thing. Right. We don't have to get a press release about it. Mm-hmm. So, and and as, and I know that uh, Jeff, our city manager, is continuing to to talk directly with other employers in our community about doing the same thing. Right. Ban the box. Don't have the box involved. So you get to know them and understand their background, and then and then they. They are going to tell you what happened, or right. you're going to find it out eventually because right. everybody's going to ultimately do a background check. Good. We need to, more people need to know about that. I agree. Yeah. I yeah. agree. I think that'll help the city's um, you know, talent attraction retention if they did know that. And I think um, serving as a leader in the community, as an employer to do that is even better. So yeah. I did not know that. So thank you so much for yeah. sharing with us. You're, you're welcome. I, I, it's those other things that, you know, th- this equity you know, equality assessment that we're doing. Those are things that are really important. We, it is. And, and a lot of things are happening. And the city, we're like a lot of Iowans, we're a little more humble. So, um, but to the extent that it helps the community. Thank you, Brad, for that uh, great update there. All right. Now we're going to go into a little bit of a fun time. Uh, this is a diversity ball. And I love this, love this, a great icebreaker. I encourage you to get these for your team as well. I'm going to throw this ball at you or at Anthony. I'm not a good thrower. They already know that from the first episode. (laughs) Um, But wherever your thumb lands on, that's where you have to read the question. Read out the question so listeners can hear, and then uh, give us your authentic uh, response. Okay. Okay. And I landed on, which would be harder for you? Looking different or feeling different? Now, I'm going to have to say, um, as a 30-year-plus double amputee, um, the answer is probably feeling different because I've been looking different for a long time, and I'm used to having to look different living in Iowa. So I'm going to have to say feeling different. All right, I'm going to throw the ball next. Who's (laughs) next? (laughs) Guys, this was fun. It's like a soccer ball. It's got all these cool questions on it. Oops, right there, whatever. (laughs) Um, What would be hardest about being transsexual? Um, The feeling discriminated against. You know, that's that's a people looking at you differently. Uh, I would like to hope that every family would accept the sexual orientation of their family members, but I'm sure that doesn't happen. Yep. So that would be really painful uh, to not have your family behind you. But even then, um, there are always going to be, you talked about change, um, it's people who just still don't accept this, you know, the um, same-sex marriage. How in the world could we not have same-sex marriage throughout the country and, and welcome that? Yeah. But uh, back with Cedar Rapids, you know, our Gay Pride Festival is terrific and it, it grows every year my son is in denver and i he was back and i s- said hey we have a gay pride festival i have to go read a proclamation he's like cedar rapids has a gay pride festival <laughs> said, yes and, and there's on the five map. or seven thousand people there you should come <laughs> so, <laughs> we're on the map all right okay oh this is a good one should companies schools close for all religious holidays why or why not Oh, I'm so glad I got this question. Diwali is coming up, and we're just going from festival to festival for, um, I'm Hindu, so Diwali is a festival that I celebrate. This is actually something that I advocated for my own school district that my children are going to um, at Linmar, that when I worked at the Red Cross, we would have a floating holiday. So I said, 
why can't we have a floating holiday concept for our school districts? Of course, you know, my answer is yes, we should. But why don't we have that even for the schools? When Diwali comes around, the last three years, I pulled yeah. the children out of school. Half day the first time. And when my son got his report card, his, he loves his perfect attendance. Oh. Because I pulled him out for Diwali, he just started to cry. And he's not a crier. He just started crying. He's like, Mom, it's because of you I got dinged on this. I felt like the worst parent in the world. And here I thought I was being one of the best parents in the world. Teaching him about by, his culture. And, well, yes, yeah. because when you think about the other holidays, like Christmas, we're off for many days. So festival like Diwali is like Christmas for us. It's a festival yeah. of lights. So why can't I and why don't I have my other peers who celebrate this take off from their company that day? We're just not seeing it happen. So I think companies and schools should encourage this. I think it's a great thing that we need to do. So yes, I agree. yes, yes. I agree. It's a great concept. Thank you. Well, well Bradley, maybe you know what? You can help advocate this for our school <laughs> districts here. I can do that. Really enjoy having you. Hope you enjoyed our diversity ball. You had a tough question there. <laughs> you had a tough question. Well, is there anything that you want to share with our listeners? I want to ensure that you have some time to be able to share any thoughts, anything. Was there any takeaways that you could give to other leaders, be it city leaders, business leaders, or well, I, any I words just, of advice? Yeah, <laughs> I just want, I want people to recognize that there, we have a long way to go. But we can get there, and we'll get there faster if the community will engage. And be a part of this. Be a part of the conversation. And, and ask questions and take action because we are the right size and have the right resources to be, you know, we're gonna be the volunteer capital of the world. I'm gonna make sure that happens because we do <laughs> give, but, but I, I just want us to, to be this engaged and welcoming community where everybody here feels like they're a part of the community and that will solve our uh, workforce issues because people won't leave and, and, they, and the community will get stronger and stronger when people feel a part of it and, and are engaged. Awesome. awesome. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, we thank you for your time. I hope you've enjoyed our conversation today. I think we've had some fruitful discussion and uh, learned a few things about even City of Cedar Rapids that I, I wasn't aware of. So thank you, thank you, thank you for your time, Brad. As we always say, diversity straight up, keeping it real. Keeping it real straight up, Brad. Thank you, sir. Thank you both. Have Thanks for what you're doing. Thank you. Thanks. You've been listening to Diversity Straight Up a Corridor Business Journal podcast presented by Collins Aerospace and the City of Cedar Rapids. For more from the Corridor Business Journal, please visit corridorbusiness.com. This episode was produced by Joe Coffey of Coffee Grande Studios.